The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. Good morning, IBC. My name is Andy McQuitty. I told the first service, as I always used to, that because they get up early and come to the first service, that they are above average in every way. Now, what that means for you in this late service is not that you're not above average in every way. You're just not as above average in every way as the first service. But I welcome you. We are going through our new series here at IBC on identity, on identity. And this is a, it's an amazingly important series for every individual Christian here in this room right now. Because how we answer the question of identity, who am I and do I matter? How you answer that question can make all the difference in your life between living a life of grateful assurance or anxious self-doubt. I want to get started this morning by playing a little guess who said this quiz, okay? I'm going to read you a quote. This was um, in uh, Vanity Fair magazine a couple of years ago, and um, as I'm reading the quote, I want you to picture in your mind who said this, okay? And if you figure it out, uh, don't blurt it out. Just keep it to yourself. And, uh, and then if you need some help, I'll give you a couple of clues. Are we, are we together? Okay, here's the quote. All of my will has always been about conquering horrible feelings of inadequacy. My drive in life is from the horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. Okay, who thinks you know who it is? Just raise your hand. Who thinks you know who it is? Okay. I know why you know who it is. I told you. Okay, let me give you a couple of clues, okay? Couple of clues. First clue, Forbes lists this person as the most wealthy self-made woman, that's a clue, in the United States, a total net worth of about $580 million. Okay, who thinks you have it now? Raise your hand. Okay, here's another clue. This, this person, this woman, recently had to cancel a celebration tour of 84 cities around the globe featuring all of her hit songs because she got sick. She had to cancel her celebration tour. Who knows who it is now? Okay, more of you do. This is none other than Madonna Louise Ciccone, otherwise known as Madonna. Madonna. Friends, the world lies when it tells us that our worth is determined by what we do and how well we do what we do. Madonna bought that lie. 
just like I did, just like many of you did, just like the apostle Paul did. And in buying that lie, basically she condemned herself to a constant struggle to find her worth, her identity in what she does. This is ironic, isn't it? Such a high net worth celebrity as Madonna has to prove her personal self-worth over and over again. Even though I've become somebody, she says, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. Okay, today we're going to look at this. I want to look at, first of all, the world's big lie about our identity. Secondly, I want to look at the gospel truth about our identity. And third, I want to look at our choice that we have to make about our identity. Okay? Let's get started. The world's big lie that Madonna bought, that I've bought, that many of you have bought and are still maybe buying. The world's big lie about our identity is that our work proves our work. Proves our worth. Our work proves our worth. That's the lie. When you first meet somebody, you want to know two things about them and they want to know two things about you. What are they? Your name and what you do. What do you do? It's interesting. The Wall Street Journal did a survey of Americans a couple of years ago in which they discovered that the majority of Americans in this survey derive their personal sense of identity and self-worth from the status that promotions and championships and bank accounts and grades and awards confer upon them. That's what we call the work. Your work is what you define yourself as doing. The majority of Americans define their identity from the status that success in all these endeavors brings to us. I know, it, I know it's true for me. I'll tell you a story. When I was nine years old, we lived in West Virginia. My father was a Presbyterian pastor. And we moved from West Virginia to Greenville, Alabama. I was nine years old in starting the fourth grade, okay? Now, when I got to Greenville, Alabama, in this little town, in this little school, elementary school, I was immediately given the cold shoulder by all the kids in that, in that class. Why? Because I was from West Virginia, north of the Mason-Dixon line. I was a worthless Yankee. I moved in, beginning of the school year, nine-year-old, Civil War, you know, casualty. <laughs> Nobody would make friends with me. Nobody would play with me on the playground. Nobody would be friendly with me, accepting of me. I was just given the cold shoulder for months. It was the hardest time in my life. I, I look back on it, uh, and it still pains me to feel the rejection simply because of where I came from. 
All that changed in the spring of that year, of my fourth grade year. The sun came out, started warming things up. They let us go out on the playground to play softball in our little elementary school there in Greenville, South Carolina. And so I'm out there the very first day with everybody. We're going to play softball. They choose up sides. Of course, I was chosen last. And then whenever the teams went up to bat, of course, I was made to bat last. But I will tell you this, my friends. When I got up to bat, I can remember it as clearly in my mind's eye as if it happened yesterday. And I'll give you my age, approximately. It was almost 60 years ago this happened. Almost 60 years ago. And I still remember it. I remember the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand. Of course, I was up last. They made me bat last. The ball comes out of the pitcher's hand. It's underhand. It's soft pitch, softball. And I'm standing there. I've got the bat. And I'm tracking this thing, man. I could hit. They didn't know that. I'm tracking this thing. And I waited. And I waited. And I swung, connected. Thing flew and flew and flew. I may be exaggerating this a little bit. That's, that's what 60 years will do. It was a base clearing grand slam home run. The ball went across the street from the school and they never found it again. I rounded the bases. Came in. Total silence. Total silence. Went back inside. Finished school. Went home. That Came back the next day. And everything was different. Everybody wanted to be my friend. When we went out on the playground... They chose me first. And when our team got up, I batted first. And I had friends and I was sought after. Why? Because I hit a home run. From that episode, when I was nine years old, I learned a very toxic lesson about my identity. And that is this. If I do well, maybe they will choose me. Spent the next two decades doing well, trying to do well. Like Madonna, I'm somebody, but I'm constantly having to prove that I'm somebody in academics, in sports, in leadership, in jobs. The next two decades, I had the same Madonna struggle within me of trying to prove my worth by my work. Because maybe they would choose me. You ever been through something like that? I was believing from the age of nine, the world's lie that my worth is proved by my work. And the problem with that is, as Madonna says in her statement, the problem with that is that 
Self-worth that is produced by my work has a very short shelf life. It's like, what have you done lately to impress us? You know, what, what am I achieving lately? What awards, what promotions, what bank accounts, what achievements, what, what have I done lately to prove my worth? Because it has a very short shelf life. You've got to keep struggling with self-doubt about your worth if you believe the lie of the world. The other problem with that is that even if you win in that system, even if you hit the home run, even if you prove your worth by your work, you lose because it locks you into that toxic struggle to keep trying to prove it that never ends. And if you lose, you also lose because your losing basically confirms that you're not worth anything. And so it locks you in the, into that cycle of, of depression and, and low self-esteem. So when you believe the world's lie and try to prove your worth by your work, even when you win, you lose. And when you lose, you lose. It's a no-win proposition. When you believe the lie of the world. Now let's change to a more cheerful topic, and that is the gospel's truth about our identity. The world says you prove your worth by your work. The gospel says Christ's love proves your worth. Has nothing to do with your work, with your worthiness. This is the gospel's truth about identity. Now let me talk about the dog. During COVID, my wife fell in love with a little cabochon pup up in Arkansas on the internet. Is the picture up there? Yeah. This is what I'm up against. Oh my goodness. She just loved that dog. We got to go get the dog. Okay, three hours up to Arkansas. I chauffeur up there. We pick the dog up. We bring her back. Instantly. Annabelle falls in love with Alice and ignores me. <laughs> As Annabelle is falling deeply in love with Alice, Alice is falling even more deeply in love with Annabelle. To the point where I think if Alice had to choose between me and the dog right now, I'm not sure which way she'd go. That little dog is so loved. And here's the thing. The object of great love has intrinsically great worth in the eyes of the lover. If you were to ask me, how much, how, what, what is that little cabochon fur baby worth? I would tell you that little dog right now is worth more than my house. She's probably worth more than everything. Why? Because she is the object of Alice's love. Here's the principle. The object of great love has intrinsically great worth. 
did you know that God loves you? Did you know that God loves you with an infinite love? So that the object of infinitely great love has intrinsically infinite worth? Do you realize that is the evaluation of your worth as a person in this world? Is the infinite love of God for you? Paul says in Romans chapter five, for while we were still weak, just human beings, outside the fold of grace, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God, watch this, God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Did you see it? God shows his love for us. In that he sent Christ to die for and pay for our sins so that we could be accepted by faith into his forever family. Not because of any work that we have done to deserve it or to earn it. Simply a gift of his grace based on his infinite love, which makes us infinitely worthy. Here's the gospel truth about our identity. It is simply this. Our worth is not dependent upon our worthiness. It's not. It's dependent on Christ's worthiness on our behalf. God reckons our worth by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Keith and Kristen Getty's song, My Worth, so beautifully depicts this. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. Two wonders here that I confess. Now watch this, two wonders. My worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. At the cross. It's not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did for us that we are worth infinite love from the Father. And because of what Jesus did for us, not because of what we did for ourselves. We now have a new pressure-proof, shame-proof identity that is so beautifully given to us by the Apostle John. 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't steal it. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God.
Brennan Manning in his books likes to talk about the love of the father for him as a child of God. He, he always likes to say, uh, and he just passed away and went to heaven, Brennan Manning. He always used to say, I am a child of my heavenly father and he is very fond of me. That was his identity. That is our identity. The greatly beloved and highly valued child of our heavenly father. If you can get that deep into your spirit, if you can internalize the gospel truth about your identity as a Christ follower, it will forever set you free from the hamster wheel of constantly trying to prove your worth by your work. It set you on a path of proving your love by your work, proving your gratitude by your work, which is a far greater proposition. It's good news, folks. I love how Frederick Beekner, one of my favorite writers, puts it. He says, repent and believe in the gospel, Jesus says. Turn around and believe that the good news that we are loved is better than we ever dared hope. And that to believe in that good news, to live out of it and toward it, to be in love with that good news is of all the glad things in this world, the gladdest thing of all. I'm not sure if gladdest is an actual word, but if Frederick wrote it, I believe it. The saddest bad news of the world's lie that you prove your worth by your work is that we are inadequate. The gladdest good news of the gospel is that we are worthy because we are loved. So that brings us to the choice. The world's lie, you have to prove your worth by your work. The gospel's truth. Christ proves your worth by his love. Now we have a choice to make. What choice will we make about our identity? Will we choose the world's lie? Will we choose the gospel's truth? In his book, The One-Year God With Us devotional, Chris Tigreen puts it this way. He says, we can either be self-made or Christ-made, but not both. We can seek our own identity or forsake our own for his, but not both. We can love ourselves or lose them but not both. It is a constant choice. What choice are you making today? The world's lie, the gospel's truth about your identity. You have to choose. It's a constant choice. Nobody else can choose it for you. You've got to choose it all by yourself every day. I see the great apostle Paul doing that in his epistles. He struggled with us. Several of his epistles, he gets into a, a, a contest at, at times with, 
with certain people that were opposing him and throwing out his accomplishments and throwing out his adventures and throwing out his sufferings and kind of like, you know, proving his worth by his work kind of stuff. He, 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 he got caught up in this kind of stuff too, man. Keep trying to hit the home run. But in Philippians 3, we see the Apostle Paul mature. He's gotten over that now. He's made his choice. And he's continually making his choice. Not for the lie of the world that you have to prove your worth by your work. But for the good news of the gospel that Christ has already proved it by his love expressed on the cross. And he writes these words in Philippians 3. The very credentials these people are waving around is something special. This is the message version. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for when I was trying to prove my worth. And why? Why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog done. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I choose Christ. I choose Christ. What do you choose? It's a constant choice. What do you choose today? The good news is that when we, like Paul, choose Christ, when we choose to believe the truth of the gospel that Christ has already proved our worth, and so we don't have to keep trying to prove that we're somebody because he already has. That sets us free, basically, from the opinions of people and from the world around us, trying to impress them, trying to make them think that we're still all that. And we can just perform. We do our best work for an audience of one, for God. We don't care what the world says about us. Good news that our worth is proved by the love of God liberates us all to care about pleasing God alone. Eleanor Roosevelt once famously said, what other people think of me is none of my business. That's the freedom of the child of God who has a new identity. Behold, what manner of love is this that we should be declared the children of God? That gives us liberation. That's our identity. And that's all we need. We got nothing left to prove. Nothing left to lose. We're free. Free to do our best. Not for the world's approval, but as grateful acts of worship to Jesus. We are compelled by his love. And when we're compelled by his love to do our best work, guess what? That's when we do our best work. Not when we're under pressure trying to prove ourselves adequate, but when we're free from that to just luxuriate in the grace of God 
You all know I love golf. Two years ago, the, the winner at Augusta National, the Masters Tournament, Scotty Scheffler, who is now the number one golfer in the world, he's a Dallas guy. He and his wife Meredith live here. And two years ago, whenever Scotty Scheffler hoisted the, the Masters trophy in the, in, in the green jacket, uh, and then afterwards at a news conference, he told the world what had actually been going on that day when he won the Masters. Listen to what Scotty said. The reason why I play golf is I'm trying to glorify God and thank him for all that he's done in my life. It's not about proving my worth. It's about glorifying him. So for me, my identity, my identity is not a golf score. Like my wife Meredith told me this morning, if you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this golf tournament by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament again, I'm still gonna love you. You're still gonna be the same person. Jesus loves you and nothing changes. And then Scotty finished up by saying, all I'm trying to do is glorify God. That's why I'm here. Jared Barnett, pastor here at IBC, wrote these words about finding our identity in Christ, and they're so beautiful. And with this, I close. When Jesus becomes our identity, we are, free, we are set free to live beautiful lives of contentment, humility, belonging, and mission. But you have to choose. We're going to put our closing prayer up on the screens. I wrote this prayer hoping that those of you who wish will pray it out loud with me. Only if you wish. But let us pray. Lord, you love me as I am, unconditionally. When I fail, when I succeed, either way you love me, and that is why I'm somebody. Not because I demonstrate my worth by what I do, but because you defined my worth by what you did. You loved me enough to give your life for me. You measured my worth by your blood. That's why I'm somebody. No other reason necessary. Today, Lord Jesus, I gratefully receive your love by faith. Now may I never try to prove my worth by what I do. Instead, the spirit of joyful gratitude, may all I do be about thanking you, serving you, enjoying you, glorifying you, and most of all, loving you and others the way you have loved me and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.